This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 183 of the Catholic Foodie, the Catholic Food Blogger Roundup. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and today we are talking to food bloggers, Catholic ones, too. (laughs) It's going to be a fun show, folks. This is kind of in conjunction with Loyola Press, and uh, this month, leading up to Thanksgiving, they have a fantastic food and faith series that they are highlighting over at LoyolaPress.com. I encourage you to check it out. Lots of encouragement to get into the kitchen and to get around the table with your family and with your loved ones, and also beautiful ways to grow in faith every day around the table with culinary arts. We're talking food blogging today, folks, right here at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. And I have some wonderful folks joining me today. Uh, we have Rosemary Lane from Loyola Press. Rosemary, welcome. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. We have a very old friend of the Catholic Foodie here today, Sarah Vabulous, the Catholic Drinky. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm great, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm doing well, I think. You know, it's Monday morning, of course, and uh, that has its inherent uh, issues, but I'm doing okay. We also have uh, uh, another food blogger, Veronica Gantley from uh, Catholic Kitchen, who's here. Veronica, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Fantastic. And we also have Robin Davis. Robin is the author of Recipe for Joy. We had Robin on the show, uh, The Catholic Foodie, and also the Around the Table Food Show, the radio show I do in New Orleans and Baton Rouge, not that long ago, just a couple of months back. Robin, how are you? I'm great this morning. Thanks so much for having me on. It's my pleasure. You know, I'm so happy that Rosemary is here today because she's the queen bee. She uh, had this, this idea to have food bloggers together to talk about food blogging from a Catholic perspective. What, you know, how, how does it impact our lives? What is it all about? How do people react to it? And, and Rosemary, thank you so much for, for this invitation. And I want to turn the reins over to you and just ask you to, uh, to drive this train. Sure. Well, thank you guys all so much for joining us for this first Catholic Foodie Roundup. Um, As Jeff said, we're running Food and Faith, which explores the connection between food and faith and how Catholics like you guys express their faith through the culinary arts and blogging. So we kind of wanted to assemble the top Catholic bloggers um, and writers to talk about their ministry of um, writing about food and faith. So if you guys could just go around first and introduce yourselves in your blog platform or what you've written about um, food and faith and um, just tell us a little about what you do. Um, and Jeff, if we could start with you. Uh, okay. Uh, the, <laughs> the Catholic Foodies Where Food Meets Faith. That's uh, something I started um, in 2008. It was October 2008 as we we're approaching uh, Thanksgiving. And I, you know, I'd been doing food, well, not really food, I'd been doing uh, blogging and, and podcasting and all of that. At the time, I was teaching high school. And so I, I, that was all work, right? I would podcast my classes, I would podcast. Um, the confirmation classes I taught at the at the parish, and and it was fun, and I loved it. I'm a geek, and but it was all work, and so I thought, yeah, I want to do something for fun. I, I love podcasting, I love blogging, but I want to do something for fun. What can I do? And I, I literally I spent uh, probably a month mulling over this, thinking, what could I do? Uh, and the two things that kept coming back to me were the two things that I love most in life, and that that's I mean, of course I love my family and all of that, but I'm talking big picture things like 
food. I'm, I'm from South Louisiana. I grew up uh, eating good food, uh, learning to cook at a very early age, and, and really just sharing those kind of experiences around the table with family and friends. So food has always been a very big part of my life, and I, I love to cook. And then also my Catholic faith, you know, former seminarian, twice over, uh, been involved in missionary work uh, and, and catechesis and evangelization for years and years. And I thought these two things really go together very well. I have a degree in theology and philosophy and science. I was in a seminary and I could see from my own personal studies in scripture how food and faith fit together so well and my lived experience too. So I thought I had this great idea. I was going to come up with a website. It's going to be called The Catholic Gore. May, but that just didn't sound right. <laughs> so it became the Catholic foodie and that just stuck. So I've been doing that um, now since uh, October of 2008. Great. Robin, could you tell us a little bit about how you um, began writing about food and faith? Sure, absolutely. I'm a food writer kind of first and, and foremost. That's that's was my career, my full-time career up until a couple months ago. Um, so food was something obviously that I did all the time. Um, I was also um, very faith-filled, but I never really put the two together. Um, about 10 years ago, I married a, a lovely man who was a widower with three young children. And um, I thought I was hopelessly unqualified to be a stepmother and maybe even a wife. Um, so the only thing that I thought that I could bring to the table was um, was food. And uh, I found that when I cooked for my family, that it really gave us a language where we could all um, connect and we could all talk to one another and it fed our souls as well as our bodies. And so I wrote that into um, a book published by Loyola Press called Recipe for Joy. Um, um, and then I also blog at robincdavis.com, uh, and also I continue to do food at foodcookeat.com. Um, but that's kind of how I, I came to be uh, doing food and faith together, because I, I, I don't think it, it's an accident that we use those words together and those things together all the time. Great. Um, Sarah, you want to tell us a little bit about, Sarah, um, maybe not so much food, but beer. How did you first <laughs> Liquid bread. Beer and, um, can you tell us a little bit about your blog? Sure. Um, yeah. Hi, I'm Sarah Vabulous. Um, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, funny enough, my blog name was riffed off of um, Mr. Jeff Young. <laughs> so um, it was started um, back in August of 2010 at the Catholic New Media Conference. Um, we were in Boston, um, the one that SQPN puts on um, every year. And so um, they were... They were just making fun of some of the names of the blogs. And so one of them, they said they weren't, that SQPN would never sponsor was Catholic Drinky. And I was like, oh, I'm doing it. <laughs> um, just because um, I uh, have a real passion. I'm a young adult, you know, I'm 30 years old and just have a passion for trying to meet my peers where they're at. And what better topic to really be an expert on than craft beer or really nice drinks and wine because everyone pretty much has an interest in that. And so you can start the conversation and then take it deeper from there and let people know that, you know, you can know about things that are considered quite secular, but also be a Catholic. And um, so you can be a really faithful Catholic and be normal about it. Um, and so that's just kind of where I start. And I blog about being a young adult and, um, how to make beer. I just recently started home brewing. So I make my own beer in my kitchen just right over there. And it's so much fun. And um, so it's just really great way to meet friends. And there's a reason why a lot of archdiocese sponsor theology on tap. So I'm just here to, to, to meet those people, you know, and just 
live my life as well as I can and hopefully in some way get people to love Jesus even more. <laughs> awesome. Great. Very cool. And Veronica, how about you? Uh, let's see. I, can, you guys can hear me, right? Yes. Okay. I started my blog uh, almost three years ago, and I was doing it to, um, to get to better know my faith and to kind of chronicle everything going on in my life. And it's kind of morphed into what it is now, which is really, really good because I had, in the beginning, had absolutely no idea what I'm doing. And even now, I kind of feel like I'm still winging it. Um, my number one post is, uh, is a recipe for, believe it or not, it is also a drink, and it's got alcohol in it. And I put it. It is funny because I put it in this little mason jar, and it's it's actually it's actually called um, apple pie moonshine. Oh, yeah, that's really Yeah, it has great alcohol, and and it's like my number one, where everybody goes to. They love that one recipe, and that that wasn't how it had started though. But like I said, it, it was the. The blog was to start off was to chronicle my life, and in the beginning, I had planned on writing about um, different uh, uh, saints and all that other stuff. But then when I went online, I saw all these wonderful other blogs like Jeff's blog and everybody else's blog, and I said, "Well, no, I'm not going to do what they're doing. I'm just going to kind of wing it and do my own thing." So I think I do more of a in-season thing. So whatever the church has in season, I kind of cook to that. And I know that sounds kind of odd, but it really works for me. Nice. And so what does that mean? Just with every liturgical season, you cook something for that part? Uh, yeah, I'll do that. And I throw in every once in a while, I'll throw in a saint, and I'll kind of make up a recipe that I think would be good with the saint. Um, and just I just kind of wing it and cook whatever I cook for my family. But, I mean, like with everybody else, I think it, it really does start with Eucharist, and I think that's the beginning. You know, for me, that was always the beginning. We're in church, and we're receiving the Eucharist. It's, it's an extension of that. I mean, the way we, we eat and everything else is actually an extension of that. Definitely. Um, and I want to ask all of you guys, was there a moment that you found food and faith really connecting for you? Or is this something that kind of developed through the years? How did, how did you first make that innate connection between these two? And anyone's free to jump out for that question. <laughs> Um, I can start with that. Um, it, for me, it was something that developed over time. Um, I had a period of time where I uh, walked away from God and I walked away from my faith. Um, and during that time, I actually kind of dove into food and food was my religion. I said, you know, I, I really uh, became very interested in, in how it was grown and chefs who were making it and home cooks and what they were doing. And then later when I moved back to Ohio and um, I joined the Catholic Church and I became a wife and stepmother, I found myself doing the same things, cooking, really looking for great ingredients. And I realized that that faith that I had walked away from had been there all along and that my faith was really tied to food. And it was it was God feeding me through that. It was God feeding me um, through the time when I was saying God didn't really exist in my life. Um, and so for me, it was something that happened over a period of time, but it's something I'm very, very conscious of now. Whenever I cook, I'm very conscious of, of God being present in the ingredients and the people around the table um, and, and everything else that kind of goes with that. That's my end. Nice. I agree. I I guess, oh, sorry, Veronica, did go you ahead, want to go? You go ahead. <laughs> I mean, obviously for me, mine did not start until after I was 21 years old. <laughs> so, um, 
Um, but uh, it was I was uh, you know in my mid twenties and had joined a beer club um, here in Atlanta, and I went with a lot of my friends who are also Catholic, and we had these great conversations about theology while we're sitting around having a pint and maybe even some hot wings because yum, nothing goes better with beer. <laughs> and so um, you know it just grew into the like why can't I start to write about this? Obviously, like I studied theology in college, and it's just a part of who I am. Always volunteering at church and all, most of my friends are Catholic, like, let's just be real. And so it just it's just a part of my life. And so it got to a point where I'm thinking, well, why can't I mix my two, my two favorite things of being Catholic and spending time with my friends and having theological conversations and put it out on the internet and just, you know, let people know that it's cool and it's awesome to do this stuff and it's just really taken off, so. Great. Jeff, how about you? Uh, I, I don't know. I think it was more of a kind of an organic experience, you know, and it's it just happened over time. Um, I mentioned earlier that I've always been into cooking and, 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 and um, you know, food, good food down in South Louisiana. But I was in the seminary twice. I was in a seminary for the first time at the age of 18. I left home and went to Mexico. I was with Mother Teresa's priests. I was uh, in formation with them for two years. And then I ended up uh, leaving there and then going to the university, Franciscan University of Steubenville for a couple of years until I ran out of money. Then I returned home and decided to bartend. But uh, in the course of all of that, and then again, when I, I returned to the seminary to study for the Diocese of Baton Rouge, and that's where I got my degree in, in, in philosophy and theology, um, I've always seen, I guess almost from a poetic perspective, a poetic perspective or maybe a, um, um, I don't know how to, well, think about it this way. We've had several um, in recent years, several uh, theologians who have come and written books, and they've they keep referring to this thing called typology. You know, you look back in the Old Testament, you see how the the Old Testament reflects or or, or prefigures, right, portrays ahead of time the New Testament. And so, for me, I've always had that sort of it's almost like a poetic way of looking at it, an artistic way of looking at Scripture to see these connections between the old and the new, and how that impacts us today. And I've always kind of just, I don't know, innately had that that sense, especially when it came to, to food. I'll give you an example. You know, one of the things that fascinates me so much is how in the Old Testament, you look at, at Genesis chapter 3, where we have the fall. And really, the first three chapters of Genesis lay out for us all the basic things we need to know about creation, God, and ourselves. I mean, it's all right there in chapter in chapters 1 through 3. But in chapter 3 with the fall, we see that that man and woman, Adam and Eve, fall from grace, right? Sin enters the world through the act of eating. Eating, not an apple, because <laughs> it doesn't say apple. We, we tend to think so, but it, it was uh, the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the beautiful thing, and I can't recall which early church father it was, but there was an early church father who referred to God as the undoer of knots. God takes the very thing that is the stumbling block and makes it into our means of salvation. And you see that beautifully, I think, with the serpents in the desert, with Moses, right? The, the serpents, the, the people are complaining against God, and, and God allows these serpents to come in and to, to bite the people, and now they're, they're dying. And, and Moses intercedes for the people, and, and Moses, God tells Moses to build, to make a bronze serpent and to stick it on the top of a staff and to raise it up. And whoever looks upon that bronze serpent after they've been bitten, they will, they will live. They'll be healed. What a beautiful prefigurement, right? A type of Jesus on the cross. You know, we see that so clearly. It's the same thing with food. 
Jesus or, or God is this undoer of knots who takes a thing that 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 hurts us and makes it into the means of salvation. And we see that again in the fall, it's food, right? God, uh, we fall through the act of eating, but Jesus in, in John chapter six tells us, I'm fixing that. I'm gonna take it and turn it on its head. Uh, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life. So life, salvation comes to us through food, and God himself makes, God makes himself our our food, which is just so beautiful. So that's just an example of, of the way I look at scripture, of the way that I look um, at, at maybe food in, in scripture and how that impacts my life personally and also what I try to share at the Catholic Foodie. Sure. And Veronica, would you like to share how you first noticed how these two things connected? Well, uh, to be honest with you, I was raised a Catholic, so it's always been there, you know, and I've just, it's just, it's morphed into this, and, I, and a lot of things, I think I could have been, and still can be a better Catholic in learning the things that I've learned, um, and I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, going back and researching and everything else with, with my Catholic kitchen, and it's helped me in leaps and bounds as far as, you know, knowing what St was what saint day was this and what they did and you know all that other stuff so in that way it's it's really helped me immensely but i was raised a catholic so it's just something that's kind of just always been there sure um so as you guys have blog, been blogging over the years what do you what have you noticed that's changed in this this food and faith realm how, how has your blog changed or how has your faith changed as you've gone along writing about these two topics well, I can say that uh, in the beginning, I wrote a lot about the scriptures. I wrote a lot about uh, faith, you know, food and faith kind of in general terms. And I was highly reluctant, highly reluctant to give recipes, uh, which is kind of weird for a food blogger, right? I mean, uh, for a long time, I just avoided that. I did not want to do it because I typically don't use recipes. I just I go in and just cook. And, and I guess over, over the years, I've learned what goes well together and it's fun. It's just, you know, it's like play. Some people like to go garden and some people like to, I don't know, play in a sandbox or something. I like to be in the kitchen just cooking. And for me, it's just a lot of fun. Um, but what I have learned over the years is that people really love recipes. They want, they may never ever cook a single recipe, but they will read them till their eyes fall out. I mean, they just, people love recipes. And so I, I, that was something that I learned over time and, and reluctantly came around to start uh, sharing recipes and actually writing recipes. I've interviewed several chefs over the years and I always ask them the same question about you know, recipes because I think it, it, there's that great scene in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean you know, where, where they're talking about the, um, what is it, the, the code, right? The pirate's code. And we, you think of that as like a law almost. And what is the, uh, I can't remember which pirate it was, whoever it was, he says, no, they're, they're more like guidelines, right? More like guidelines. And I always ask chefs about this. You know, we approach these recipes as if they're like hard facts. It's like, you've got to do it this way. Or the recipe police, man, they're going to come get you and lock you up. <laughs> and, and every time the chefs are like, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't even know how to write a recipe. I got to get somebody else to do it for me. Because, I, I, you know, I just, you go in there and play. So it's been a... a, a definite change over over time of maybe changing my approach to where I do present the recipes, but I also try to give stories behind it that link back to faith. And I think that by doing so, that has definitely increased my audience. I mean, I've got people from all over the world 
but also people who are non-Catholic. I've had people who are um, maybe even anti-Catholic who still come to the website, who still interact with me simply because we have a common ground that we share, which is which is food. Sure. I think for me, um, it, it, it's almost the opposite. Um, for me, I uh, was always writing about food. I was always doing recipes, but the faith kind of entered later. And I realized that it was okay to talk about my faith. You know, they we always say um, here in Ohio, two things you don't talk about are faith and politics. But I realized it really was okay to talk about my faith and that that has drawn a lot of people in for me. People um, become more comfortable talking about their faith, their beliefs. And I find that that food is that opening conversation, that opening dialogue that then can lead you to deeper um, thoughts and discussions about faith. Yeah, I was going to say, have you guys found this a, a tool for evangelization in a way, or is food kind of been a gateway to help other people learn more about faith? Most definitely. Most definitely. I totally agree with that. Um, I wouldn't have, would never have thought that I'd be doing the blog that I'm doing now, you know, five years ago. Um, also, too, for me, I think about the church that I go to, St. Pius, there's so many women there, and they have so many recipes that they could share, but a lot of them are going to be lost because we're not writing them down. Like my mother, my mother would do a pinch of this or add this or whatever, and there's really no recipes for them. So I'm, like, trying to go behind her with a little tablespoon with a, with a measuring cup trying to trying to get these recipes, especially with the bread and stuff. But they're really – it's really kind of hard because, you know, we're going to end up losing all these – you know, when they pass on, a lot of them aren't going to be passing on these wonderful recipes that they have. Just because they're kind of done by heart or just by exactly. memory? Yeah. Um, exactly. And most really good food is usually done by the heart. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Very true. Sarah, I feel like you've really noticed this too that through you, you know, drinking is like this perfect way to connect with young people. And you keep saying, like, they find out you like to drink, you know a lot about beer, and then they're like, oh, and you're Catholic. So, how has that really helped you meet more people and, and talk about your faith? Sure. So, um, I like to do brewery tours or just go to the bar. Like, if, if I'm like bored and I'm hungry, I'm, I, there's like a couple of pubs around the corner. So, I can go grab a bite and a pint um, for dinner. So I'll just go and sit at the bar and inevitably there's someone sitting at the bar that's struggling. Like, what the heck do I order? What the heck do I order? So I'm actually, I don't know. It's like this gift. I'm really good at finding drinks for people and telling them what they're going to like. I guess it's because I've just tried, like I've, pr I've had probably over a thousand different beers. And so like, I know the flavor that's going to come out of a certain beer. And so I'm like, well, what kind of food do you like? What kind of flavor profile. So I talk them through it and they're like, who is this girl? <laughs> so I tell them like, order this beer. You're, you're going to like it. Well, nine times out of the 10, they enjoy it. And they're like, we start talking. How do you know so much about beer? Well, I'm a beer blogger. Oh, what's your beer blog's name? Oh, Catholic drinky. Say what? Yeah. <laughs> Usually the next response. And they're like, wait, Catholic? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm a faithful Catholic. I go to church at Christ the King. You're welcome to come anytime. And they're like, Oh, so a lot of times it's, oh, I used to be Catholic. So I'm like, well, talk to me about this. And so we end up talking about, about being Catholic because I'm not afraid to have these conversations because I'm weird. But, um, <laughs> you know, and so it's just some really great conversations that come out of um, just sitting down and, you know, helping a stranger order a drink or, you know, just walking around and, you know, whatever, meet people at church. Hey, you want to go get a drink? It's just a great way to... Um, build community with people. I mean, think about whenever someone's running for president here in the U.S., what's one of the criteria that's inevitably comes out during um, 
the whole election process. Would you like to have a beer with this candidate or would you like to, like to have a beer with this candidate? There's just something that's approachable about being able to sit down and have a relaxed conversation with someone over some sort of drink. If beer's not your thing, awesome, no worries. It can be, you know, a bourbon or a martini or a glass of good wine, whatever. It's all the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> So do you guys notice, I mean, you've said that this can be a tool to talk about your faith. Do you feel like this is at all trending? I mean, I know food is the hot buzzword with, you know, locavores and organic and all that kind of talk. But do you feel like food and faith at all is becoming, I don't know if it's trendier, but more of a buzzword in the community? I don't know. I think I would think so. I mean, I I can look back over the last couple of years. There have been books published from different Catholic publishers that address in some way, shape or form the relationship of food and faith. You know, I'm thinking of Mary de Tourist Poust, who just had a, a book published last year, I think, with Ave Maria Press, um, called Cravings, and it, it was more of a uh, a book about uh, how to, um, you know, the struggles that we have with food. And the audience, I think, mainly was was women, uh, but there's a lot of issues. We have a lot of food issues in in our country, um, and that book was a, was one woman's story of how she. Uh, approach that and how she found, in a sense, salvation, if you will, uh, through faith, right? And how her faith impacted her relationship with with food. And it was amazing to me because she was highlighted on CNN and, and, and many other major network. She had a lot of coverage. And I think she had a lot of coverage simply because of the fact that it was food that we're talking about, not just the faith in general, but it was specifically food and, and faith. I think you're right, Jeff, and I I think a big push behind all this is because of um, the social networking of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's a whole thing to take pictures of what you're eating, and so because of this, I I feel strongly there's been a huge surge. Also, probably partly because all these TV shows now come out of Top Chef and Master Chef and Chef This, Chef That, Top, I mean, whatever, these other ones, these competitions. Yeah, exactly, all these cooking competitions, and so there's just... I think it goes beyond religion. It goes beyond um, everything about that makes humans different. There's one thing that really can bind us all together is that we all love food. Um, Now, we might like different kinds of food, but at the end of the day, we all need food in order to, um, to survive. And so it's the human condition. And of course, because we are in America and we live in a quite an indulgent society in a lot of ways. We want to like show people, hey, look at this really, like you pick up your phone, take a picture. Hey, look at this really awesome food I'm eating right now. Aren't you jealous? (laughs) And so like because of these things, we can bring it back down a level and just intertwine the faith in this um, and make it a more religious thing rather than a showy thing. Good point. Um, And so going along with that, do you guys feel like um, cooking is at all prayerful for you? How, How does... How does cooking help or brewing um, help your interior life and your prayer life? Well, for me, cooking is um, one of the most prayerful things I can actually do. It's kind of my time in the kitchen, and I always think that there's a meditative quality to chopping an onion or to stirring a pot, to taking the time required for bread to rise and just letting letting that happen, um, putting things together and watching how they react. All of that to me is very prayerful. And then of course the, the final part of it where you feed it not just to yourself but to someone else, 
that's kind of the ultimate prayer for me. When you can feed someone else and you've created a community and you're all enjoying this together. Um, yeah, I do think food is, is cooking is one of the, the most prayerful things that I do. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Robin. It's For me, it's very therapeutic, the chopping, everything. It's, it's very prayerful. And it's kind of nice in a way that, um, you know, we're preparing this food for everybody to enjoy. You know, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that Jesus, God's provided us the food right. and we're preparing it for everybody else to enjoy. And that's just one of the best feelings in the world. Yeah, I know. Um, I think a lot of it, I mean, really, it all boils down to, and food is important, right? But all it all boils down to the meal. It boils down to shared food, food shared together in a family or among friends, among people who love each other. And we see this so clearly, I think, through in Scripture. You can see it from, from Genesis to Revelation. And, I mean, the, the, the end-all, be-all, what we're all heading for ultimately is the wedding feast of the Lamb, right? The wedding feast of the Lamb. That's what it's all about. And so there's something very spiritual inherent within a shared meal. Uh, we don't always see that because we live in a very busy culture, a very busy society. But it, it's, it is by its very nature a spiritual act, and so when we are aware of that and, and we can approach it with that sort of a uh, uh, demeanor, then good things can happen, right? Uh, both within ourselves, but also to the people who we're feeding. I think it's just so beautiful to be able to prepare food, set it down at the table, and good food, right? Not, not fast food, not drive-through food, uh, not fake food, but real food that's prepared with your hands and to be able to present that at the table to your family, to friends, to visitors, to strangers, there's something powerful there. There's something really deep there. And uh, and then to see the reaction of these people, whether it's my own children or whether it's friends or, or whoever, you know, guests at the house, whoever, to see the reaction is just so, it's just beautiful. It's just absolutely beautiful. It reminds me so much of what God does for us, right? He is our loving Father. He feeds us with the finest wheat. He gives us the best of the best. Jesus, when he, when he changed water to wine, he did not do it in a, in a he did the best wine, right? He did the best wine because he loves us so lavishly. And, and we, are, we are gifted. We are blessed in a small way to be able to participate in his lavish love at the table when we prepare food and bring it to the table and feed others. It's beautiful. Well said. That sums it all up. <laughs> um, so we just have a couple minutes left. Um, I just wanted to ask you guys if you could describe maybe a memorable meal where this food and faith kind of all came together or something that happened as a result of your writing on your blog or a platform where you found you really connected with um, someone in the community over these two things. If you guys have any of those, um, feel free to share them. Well, I can um, start. I seem to always jump in first. I'm the I'm the noisy. Oh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> when I would, uh, was first married, um, and the kids were young. I think they were they were ten and twelve. I wanted to make for Valentine's Day. Of course, I was thinking, oh, I want to make a romantic dinner for my husband. But I didn't just want to do it for my husband. I also wanted to be able to do something for my family. Um, and it was a weekday. The first Valentine's Day that we spent together as a family was a weekday. So I did um, I did a candlelit breakfast before they went to school. And I got up early and I lit candles and I put juice in, in you know, champagne flutes. And um, I just made this breakfast and I just told them, you know, I love you. Valentine's Day is about love, and um, I love all of you. And I remember thinking, 
this is really a great moment. This is a great moment for our family, and this is a great moment to all of us um, about how grateful we can all be to all be together. Um, that was that was one of my favorite food um, food family and faith moments. Very nice. Anybody else, Veronica? How about you? Uh, well, actually, I don't. There's not one thing that I could say that really comes to mind because I get a lot of uh, a lot of comments on the blog about how much you know people love this recipe or love that recipe, and sometimes I'll get a, a, a email telling me that they didn't like the recipe. But you know, more most of the time, though, everybody really gives a you know gives 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 rave reviews. Um, the only thing I can think of is I made some cupcakes and they were white and I made them one year and it wasn't my daughter's uh, first communion but I made them for the church one year and brought them in for the communion and they had a beautiful cross on it and everybody loved them and they went online and they said we we want to make these and one woman said I made them and they were wonderful and that really made me feel good for her for her daughter's first communion mm. that made me very happy mm-hmm Definitely. I, I guess that would probably be one of the ones that I could just think of off the top of my head. How about you, Jeff? Well, you know, uh, mine's going to be time-related because just this past week, we celebrated, my wife and I, our 15th anniversary. And uh, we, we, Congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you. We, we had a, a magical uh, wedding and a, and a magical honeymoon. We spent two weeks on Margarita Island off the coast of Caracas in Venezuela. And I think, Rosemary, a few weeks ago, you and I spoke, uh, we did an interview together, and, uh, and I told the story about lobster, right? Mm-hmm. We ate lobster, we're on an island, okay? We're on an island for two weeks. We ate lobster several times uh, over the course of that, uh, that honeymoon, and one day in particular was just, it was, it was a dream. I mean, the whole thing, the, the restaurant was on a beach, uh, we're sharing this meal, we had just uh, had this beautiful wedding, right, where we're saying yes to each other and yes to God, and asking his blessings and we we had the, the trip itself the honeymoon was a gift from family so everything we just felt so blessed in general and then to be there to be there at the uh at this restaurant on this beach an incredible scene to be eating this lobster is a spiny lobster the thing was probably five or six pounds it's huge they had to split the thing in half you know um be, because it's just too big well, as, as the anniversary approached this past week, I kept thinking, you know, I want to do lobster for my wife. And I kept thinking of how we could do this. And I finally, timing, you know, life is chaotic. I don't know about your, your life's, uh, lives, but mine is just chaos every day. The schedules are crazy. It's family. It's events all over town. And so I, I couldn't figure out how to make this happen. And finally, what I decided to do is I transformed the porch and set the table very nicely with the nice china and the, the crystal and the silver and all of that. My girls on Friday, they had a, an event at church, and my wife was uh, taking them all over town and finally dropped them off at the event and coming home, so I was going to surprise her. My son was going to be here, so I went and got my chef's coat and rolled the sleeves up for him and put it on him, and he was going to be our waiter, and at the very last minute, I ran out to the, the seafood market and picked up the lobsters, and we had a shrimp cocktail, we had a nice salad. Salad. We had some uh, a little glass of champagne. We had some uh, wine, and and these beautiful lobsters. And we sat on the front porch at candlelight with my son serving us, and and the, the two of us just enjoyed a beautiful evening at home. It was oh, it was awesome. It was it wasn't the beach, but but it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you get really cool. 
<laughs> That's a cool story, Jeff. That's really cool. Um, you know, for me, I've had lots of like moments when, you know, one time I talked with a gentleman who um, hadn't been to church in forever. And next thing I know, um, after we have a long conversation, he starts chewing on it again. And I'm at, I'm at mass and I see him and he comes up and gives me a big hug. Hey, look, I'm at church. Like, <laughs> thanks for talking to me. So like, that was a really cool moment. But I think what really hit me was um, two years ago, I was so blessed and I went to um, Rome, Greece, and Turkey on a pilgrimage um, with Lino Rulli, the Catholic guy. And, um, and we're sitting in on, on these beautiful beaches of Greece, like our big group, there was 30 something of us enjoying a meal together and having some wine and just watching the sunset. I mean, it doesn't get much better. I'm serious than watching the sunset in Greece. It, these Greek islands are amazing. We're eating this like these, this food that's just so good. And I'm, all I can think of is, you know, like St. Paul was here. Like yeah. an, the ancient people who are the founders of our Christian faith, they were here and I'm here and I'm enjoying food that could have been similar to what they were eating. And I'm looking at things that they saw and, you know, I'm drinking local Greek wine, like could very well be like from some like the wine bushes that existed 2000 years ago. And to me, it's just, it's such a cool way to think about our faith and that what we enjoy now and the ways that we enjoy things with food, with wine, with drinks is so similar to our brothers and sisters that started our faith after Jesus was here. And it just doesn't get any better than that. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that is amazing. <laughs> Good story. Um, all right. Well, I think that's all our questions. So thank you guys all so much for joining us to talk about food and faith. It was really great to have you all here. Oh, I had a blast. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, this was me awesome. Too. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. each of us can go through. Uh, Robin, you can start and just let people know where to find you online. Um, you can find me at robincdavis.com and also at foodcookeat.com. All right. Rosemary? Um, so you can go to arts-and-faith.com and you can see our whole Food and Faith series or just go to loyalapress.com and you'll see it right there too. Okay. Sarah? Um, you can find me at catholicdrinky.com or on Twitter at catholicdrinky. And so it's D-R-I-N-K-I-E. So like Jeff's foodie, but the word drink instead of food. <laughs> Veronica? Uh, MyCatholicKitchen.com. Um, Twitter is Catholic Kitchen. And of course, Facebook is My Catholic Kitchen. Okay. And then, of course, you can find me over at CatholicFoodie.com. On Facebook at Facebook.com slash CatholicFoodie. And Twitter is at CatholicFoodie. Well, this has been a pleasure, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, bon appétit. Thanks for having me. Bon appétit. <laughs> Thanks. Cheers, guys. Bye. 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 This production is affiliated with SQPN, the StarQuest Production Network, leading the way.